I got a question to ask you. Have you ever been in a situation where you were feeling okay and the next minute you felt nervous and afraid and agitated? Well, you may have experienced a joy killer. Hey there, my name is Denise Lee and I'm a life coach specializing in traumas and addictions. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about six common yet sneaky ways we can kill our joy, ruin our happiness, and more important than that, rob us of our sense of well-being. If you're interested in learning about those sneaky joy killers, we're going to get to all of that coming to you after this short break. Hey, 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 and we're back. So glad that you are here with me. If this is your very first time listening, I just want to thank you and wrapping my arms around you and giving you a big old electronic squeeze. The Introverted Entrepreneur Podcast is not just designed for introverts or for entrepreneurs. It's designed for anybody who wants to improve how they relate to others and more importantly, how they relate to themselves. Because here's the thing, too many of us are not living authentic, vulnerable lives where we're able to be honest about ourselves, our limitations without feeling shame, guilt, remorse, resentment, bitterness, anger, just to name a few crazy emotions. We don't have to be like 99% of the people out there flipping and flopping and not really knowing what to do with themselves or how they want to deal with others. But this community, this place that we're cultivating is different. So I just want to thank you for investing in yourself, investing in your mental well-being. If you haven't done so already, make sure you hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you're listening. That way, as soon as I drop a new episode, and I usually drop new episodes on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, you'll be able to access that immediately. And for those of you guys who have been listening, just thank you so much in advance for sharing this podcast, writing a review, connecting with me on Twitter, or I guess they call it X. I'm not quite too clear about (laughs) the naming convention. But anyway, I'm on Twitter or X, Denise G. Lee. And obviously, you can learn more about me, my story, and what I do at denisegelee.com. I'm going to leave links in the show notes below so you don't have to try to jot something down if you're driving down or going somewhere. You're like, oh, what, what did she say? Well, just check out the show notes and this podcast episode. Okay. And also, as I mentioned, I am really about healing and discovery and community. So I definitely engage with my social media followers. I definitely engage with you. If you are connected with me via Spotify, I am just so excited about growing this community and I need you a part of the ride. So if you haven't done so already, please write a review and share this podcast. That way we can amplify this message and just get this healing message out far and wide because here's the thing, if we don't talk about it with other people, nobody's going to get the memo as to why we're behaving and acting differently than anybody else, okay? Today we're going to be talking about this issue about joy and specifically joy killers. For a lot of us, we have been feeling blocked either emotionally, spiritually, and physically, but we can't quite put our finger on it. And as I thought about the things that I discuss with my private clients and the things I talk about with my followers on on social media, one common key unifying ingredient is the idea of these types of emotions or ideas that really get us trapped into this death spiral of negativity. 
And I'm going to be talking about six ways, but by no means is that the limit of the all the many ways we can go inside our head and just screw things up and just think negatively. But this is just the six things that pops in my my mind. And as you're listening, I really want you to take notes and think about to yourself like, gee, Denise is really getting me to think about this particular area of my life. And I would encourage you, obviously, if you're a client of mine, we can talk about it during our session. But if you're not a client, obviously, you can apply to work with me. But regardless, I just want to make sure that you write it down, you think about it, you journal about it, because just acknowledging that this is an issue doesn't solve it. So I'm hoping that as you're listening, you're going to try to take that next step, whatever that next step looks best for you, okay? So let's first talk about the first killer of joy. It's envy. And you know, in my mind, envy is a liar and is a thief. It's a liar because it causes you to overestimate the achievements of others while underestimating your capabilities and potential. And envy is a thief because it distracts you and trains your joy which results in missed opportunities. How many times have we been so focused on what somebody online was doing or someone in our business group was doing and we're so focused on their numbers and what they're doing and their activities that we just miss out on all the people who want to do something interesting with us. I remember talking with uh, Dr. Bob Bear. We, we follow each other on, on Twitter and he was saying that as a performer, he could get up and stage and see perform in front of thousands of people, but he's always just focused on that one person who seems to be, quote unquote, doing it better than he is, or the person that's ignoring him. That's why when we're engaged in envy, it just gives us a myopic vision about ourselves and what we're doing, and that's just terrible. And furthermore, when we're envying, we're constantly going down this rabbit hole of comparing ourselves. And very interesting, in a 2006 Princeton study, they they were investigating how comparison, comparison hurts us. And not surprisingly, they found out that people who compared themselves to other people constantly experience negative outcomes, such as feelings of inferiority and dissatisfaction. And this is what negativity does to us. And envy, yes, it is a negative feeling because it takes us off from where we are and to other people. And more, moreover than that, envy diminishes our gratitude. We become ingrates because we're not focusing on all the little things. I remember talking with someone today and they said that we're always spending 80% of our time focusing on the lemons and never that 20% of that positive things that we can turn into lemonade. We're always focused on the lemonades. We're always focused on the bad things, but there's a 20% good that's coming out of it. And that's what envy does. It just stops us in our tracks and prevents us from seeing things holistically. The next joy killer that I want to talk with you about is this idea of entitlement. Do you want to know the number one thought that can drive us absolutely bonkers, just crazy and ruin our peace? I mean, even as a a life coach, I'm not immune to this thought. And here it is. I deserve it because. This whole false sense of entitlement is rather pervasive. You see it everywhere. Kids are raised expecting to have the same lifestyle as their parents. New business owners think that their experience as an employee will translate to their business. 
He could probably think about things in your life right now where you just feel like you're owed. And to be honest, <laughs> I've thought about this form of a title in many more times than I, I care to admit, even as a coach. But why do we think this way? I'm glad that you asked. We think this way because if you're like me, you're ambitious, you study hard, you put in your dues, you think that you owe you owe this because you put the work. It's not like you just show it up one day and say, well, I, I want dollar bills raining down on me and I want to make to have people praise me. That's not what it's about. It's about understanding that while we can control our effort, we can't control our out, our outcome. And so when we are focused on people owe me, this is due to me, we're missing the whole point of learning and growing and exploring. Look, here's the experience that we have as humans. We are learning not so much about what we do know, but what we don't know. What we don't know is our level of comfort in not having things instantly brought to us. For all of us, even though we're all, I'm assuming all everyone that's listening to this is a grown person. I doubt that teenagers are listening to this podcast, but you know, who knows? But anyway, if you're a grown adult, you were taught, even as a kid, hey, things take time to develop. But we live in this instant age where everything that we want can be available to us in the click of a button. And the fact of the matter is, things take time. And when we're in this attitude of entitlement, we just forget about how some people are years in the making of what they want to achieve. So I don't want that to be for you. I want you to be able to understand that this everything in life is a process. And that brings me to another form of joy killer, and it is called perfectionism. And this is where I get to tell a client story. I, I love telling these client stories because it helps not just you, obviously you're listening, but for me to remind myself that, you know, everybody is works in progress. And when I tell a story about something else, someone else is dealing with, it reminds me like, okay, Denise, this is some area that you also need work. That's why it resonates with you so much. But anyway, I'm going to talk about Clyde. Obviously it's not his real name. I want to protect his privacy. But anyway, my client Clyde was raised in a performance sports oriented environment and both of his parents were natural athletes and they drilled into Clyde and his brothers that their family must compete to win the game called life I'm like I'm I internally eye-rolling as I say that because I, I think about so many rules and assumptions that you may have experienced from your family your friends talking about how to compete or how to win and did it really do any of us any good when we think about it? But anyway, I digress. Despite Clyde's height, he's a, he's, a, he's a tall drink of water. He's six foot three. He had no interest in basketball or any kind of sports. All he wanted to do was spend time creating things with his hands. So he decided to open up a bike shop, rebelling from his parents. However, his life script. Oh, and by the way, everyone has a life script from influence from our family, our friends, and our culture. If you go to denisegelead.com, there's a banner that says learn your life script. But anyway, his life script was a be perfect. And he never stopped because he chose to just work, work, work. So even though he wasn't into sports, he was channeling his energy elsewhere. And he, as a result, he was spending countless hours making sure that everything was perfect in his business, 
at all times. And if anyone said anything that could be interpreted as critical or negative, it would totally ruin his dig. Look, perfectionism is real punishment. Flaws, real or imagined, are a capital offense. And this is such a joy killer because it results in this never-ending cycle of disappointment and self-criticism. And if you want to have a healthy mindset, you got to celebrate your overall progress rather than the missteps that will naturally occur. And by the way, I just want to just insert the story because it's just fresh on my mind. I had an incident today when I was at my volunteer event and then someone came to me and said, oh, when is your son going back to school? And to tell you the truth, I honestly didn't remember. And she said to me, well, mothers should need to know all those dates. And I was thinking to myself, no, mothers don't. That's why we have cell phones and calendars and all these electronic devices. Here's the deal. We can't be expected to be all things to all people, get things right all the time. That's insane and that's unrealistic. We all mess up. We all, we're human. And if someone's trying to put that type of perfectionist ideology on you, I would like you to rebuke it. <laughs> rebuke it. It's a fancy way of saying cast it aside, deny it, because that's no way to live productively and with, or with a healthy mindset. Okay. So I just like to slip that one in because it was just fresh on my mind. But anyway, let's talk about the next thing is future telling in mind reading. And so I've got some questions to ask you. First and foremost, do you have a crystal ball that can accurately predict what people will say or do? And if you do, please let me know. Or do you have psychic abilities? If so, I will try to get you connected to someone in the entertainment industry. I just got connected with someone who lives in LA. You know, maybe they can get, they know someone who knows someone who knows someone and get you, get you on the, the next uh, uh, reality TV show or whatever. <laughs> but look, 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 look. All jokes aside, there are too many people who try to judge people based on scant or imperfect information. As if they think they can assess future motives or behaviors based on present body language or actions alone. While we can assess the character of people to some extent, there's no guarantees, but to some extent, or things based on their behavior, you, you or I cannot predict the future. And you, you know the reason why. Because people are the ultimate wild card. One day you'll love you, one day you, they won't, and the reasons may be rational or irrational. And to make matters worse, they make these decisions based on countless external internal factors. And people can fall in love with a particular person or thing, including you, in any given moment. So if we're going to try to mind read or future tell what people are going to do or say, that's insane. We cannot nor should not try to predict things that are largely beyond our control. One of the things that I had to learn about when I was in recovery program was this idea of keeping my side of the street clean. And let me explain when I'm talking about that. When we are in recovery, uh, uh, let me back up, sorry, and let me say this a different way. When we were in our addiction, when we were not in recovery, when we were just actively just in our own zone, just doing our own crazy thing, we tried to assume responsibility for everyone at all times. And to be honest with you, that's exhausting. Even as I think about that, like who, who, why are we trying to do this? And the fact of the matter is 
we thought that we were supposed to be the emotional caretakers of everything and every, every sorry, pardon, everyone. And the fact of the matter is all that did was just make us go insane, lose perspective, and obviously lose our joy. And so what we're going to be doing right now in this new stage of our life as we're in recovery, as we're in healing, as we're trying to develop a healthy sense of self, we're, we're saying, hey, you know what? I'm really sad you feel this way or it's unfortunate this way that you feel uncomfortable. But the fact of the matter is I can't change this or you. What I can do is just basic, be as clear and transparent about what I can and cannot do. And if you have, if you've been raised in a very dysfunctional environment, that seems really scary because you're used to people sp spilling on all each other's business and trying to caretake for other people. But the fact of the matter is, in recovery, we let people deal with their own emotions even if it's uncomfortable, even scary, even unfamiliar. That's how we're able to show our real love and concern for other people by saying, hey, look, I will stand alongside you, but I can't carry your issues. And so when we say, I'm not going to mind read, I'm not going to future tell what you will or will not do, we're basically giving the power back and say, hey, look, you're responsible for yourself and I'm not going to try to predict or anticipate or trying to literally be on pins and needles anticipating things that may or may not happen and how does that help other people if we're trying to constantly rescue and save people that's a joy killer that's not worth living if you're constantly stressed and worried I was thinking about that same particular woman that was telling me that well mother should know the, all the dates of her son's school and schooling or whatever. And her face had these deep brown lines. She had this permanent scowl on her face as if her face was baptized in lemon juice. And this is what happens when your mind is constantly fixated on trying to control people and control things and get things certain, in a certain way all the time. Your body is literally on strain mode. You, 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 you literally are accelerating your demise. Or your death, because your body cannot handle that kind of burden. Anyway, let's uh, switch gears and talk about the other form of joy killer. And it's this idea of personalization. And the best way I can explain it is through a very wacky example via Seinfeld. Have you ever watched Seinfeld? It's an, it was one of my favorite 90s sitcom shows. I remember when I was in labor with my son, my husband sat there and watched on TBS a Seinfeld marathon and I was thinking about, I'm, I'm in pain I'm dilated I'm in pain and you're watching Seinfeld and my husband turned and looked at me he was like what else am I supposed to do you're, you're in the hospital but anyway I digress there is one of the characters there uh, George Costanza I'm forgetting the actor's name but anyway George was a very particular character in the sense of he always liked to deflect and defer his own personal issues. But one of his favorite lines that he would say to people when he tried to break up with them was saying, it's not you, but it's me. When it was really, it was you. He didn't want to literally say, I feel uncomfortable for X, Y, and Z reason. He was just like, I don't want to deal with the issue. So I'm just going to just politely excuse myself. But anyway, there's this one particular scene where... He is at the diner with his 
soon-to-be ex-girlfriend and the, the girl looks at, at, at George and says, you know, this has been really fun, but I don't think it's going to work. And then she starts to say, it's not you, it's me. And then George interrupts and pop, 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 pop. Are you going to say that? Are you going to say it was you? I'm the one who says that. And it was just this really funny, hilarious scene about how he was saying, I'm the one who's done it. I created it. If you would have known me long enough, you would have experienced me saying it. I'm the one who owned it. And I just laugh because like for when we talk about this idea of personalization, we are scooping up all the blame, all the shame, and just keeping it on ourselves as if we are the titular force for doom and death and destruction. When we personalize, we're forgetting objectively that in a, an example with George and his ex-girlfriend, there are two people in a relationship. It's not just George. So to just to only to say, oh, it's me, is ignoring all the other dynamics that would had happened in that relationship. And so my question to you is, are you personalizing things? Are you assuming responsibility for things that are only part of the whole picture? Because that robs us not just of our joy, but of our clarity. And when we lose our clarity, we lose perspective and we pile all the fault and all the blame onto ourselves. And in a relationship and so many other areas of our life, we are just a part of a bigger picture. But when we personalize, we're robbing ourselves of the ability to see how those other factors might have impacted a situation. And next but not last, we're going to be talking about people pleasing our codependency. And this is where I get kind of personal. And I say that people pleasing is definitely something that I wish I could sit here and say that, oh, I'm over it. I don't people please. I'm so well. I can be able to have myself from a 20 foot distance away from people emotionally and never get absorbed the feelings of other people. That's a freaking lie. We as human beings, we're constantly, to some extent, if we care about someone or we care about our, 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 how we are viewed by others, there are some type of people pleasing. And when you think about it, it's totally natural because we as humans, we're tribal people. And you know, back in those caveman days, if we didn't learn to get along with people, we were cast outside of the den as subject to nature and animals and all sorts of calamities. So it is hardwired, it's baked into our DNA to have some people-pleasing tendencies. So I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say that you should never in recovery have any people-pleasing tendencies. Like, like that's a freaking lie. But what we are going to do is to make sure that those tendencies aren't destroying how we view ourselves and how we how we treat ourselves to be specific and i the best way is i want to explain a, a a very sad story a sad but true story about um one of my father's former girlfriends named Nikki uh, Vicky not real name and but anyway Based on Vicky's behavior, you would have thought the sun rose and set on my father. Anything my father wanted, Vicky was there. This went above and beyond spending quality time. Vicky paid for my father's housing and the majority of the food while they were living together. Despite knowing that my father was choosing Vicky, she stayed because my father said he was sad about the ending of his marriage. This arrangement between Vicky and my father lasted nearly two years. I'm shocked, to be honest with you, it lasted more than two months. But here's the deal. When you're codependent, 
Your self-worth and your esteem are completely dependent on another person. And in Vicky's case, her worth was dependent on the presence of a man. And it didn't matter if the man used and abused her. And I'm going to be talking about, as I'm thinking out loud, I'm going to be talking about signs of emotional abuse. Because I, I, I see so many situations of, of men and women that allow themselves to be literally used and abused and manipulated because someone is telling them a sad story and for whatever reason they think oh my goodness I really need to try to take care of themselves I really need to take care of them when the fact of the matter is they need to learn how to take care of themselves so that they have the strength and courage to not get stuck in those same negative and destructive tendencies but unfortunately if you grew up in a family where you were so used to taking care of everybody but yourself, you find yourself just staying stuck in these this vicious shame-based cycle and depletes of your joy, depletes of your clarity, depletes you of your objectivity. And that's just no way to live. And I want to be able to help you if you are feeling stuck in a cycle where you are allowing shame or criticism or gaslight. I'm going to talk a little bit more about signs of emotional abuse in the next uh, podcast episode because I think it's so important. But anyway, I'm just going to just park and leave right there and just kind of recap everything that we talked about. As I said earlier, that there are many, many ways that you can ruin your joy. But what we talked about today was this idea, first and foremost, of envy. Envy is a thief and a liar distorts ourselves our capabilities and it overestimates other people while underestimating ourselves and our, our potential and our worth and the next thing we talked about was entitlement and yes i understand that if you work hard you think that you should get something in return but the fact of the matter is we can't control outcomes the only thing we can control is our attitude and thinking that people or things owe us robs us of our peace and our joy as you recall, next we talked about perfectionism. Perfectionism, perfectionism has a way of putting us to these standards that are next to impossible to meet. And when we're so focused on per perfectionism, we have this virus effect on other people where we're trying to project our shame and our frustration and our insecurities on other people and perfectionism is no way to live. And if anything, we should be striving towards excellence not perfectionism, okay? Then the next thing we talked about was future telling and mind reading. I know they're kind of separate issues, but I just kind of combined it together with this idea of we're trying to anticipate and work on supplying all the needs, emotional, financial, psychological needs of another person. And or we're assuming the worst because someone's behaving one way or doing one thing. And look, here's the thing. People can turn on the dime for any reason or no reason at all. If we are going to be emotionally healthy people, we're going to stop trying to forecast what people may or may not do or try to anticipate and literally being on pins and needles. Like that's, that's chaotic. We, we don't need to do that anymore. Okay. We also talked about personalization. We don't need to assume that every bad thing is our fault. We're not God. <laughs> we can only do so much. If people are trying to put that on you, that's emotional abuse. And I said, we're going to talk about that more in a future podcast episode. And lastly, we talked about pe people pleasing a codependency. And now, to my mind, I really highly recommend the book, 
Codependent No More by Melody Beat, but also my course Amazing Attitudes, a really another great resource. I'm going to leave links in the show notes below. If you are literally trying to assume responsibility of another person's feelings and our emotional uh, state of mind, there's no way to live. And I'm hoping that as you're listening to this, you'll be able to recognize, okay, snap, I really need to make some shifts about who I relate to and how I relate to them because I don't need to feel stuck trying to support the emotional needs of other per- to other people. They have their own things that they need to focus on. I have my own and I can't focus on other people. Well, that is it. Thank you so much for listening. What did I say that was like, oh, wow, like I really need to dial more in on this. Was the people pleasing? Was it the mind reading? Was it the envy? Was the entitlement? I don't know. Let me know. Send me a message at... Twitter, Denise G. Lee, or X, I don't know what it's called. Anyway, <laughs> I'm there. And obviously, if you want to connect with me, work me, connect with me at DeniseGLee.com. Well, that is it. Thank you so much for listening. Take care and be awesome.